worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the Word of God in the book of Psalms, Psalm 92, beginning at verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the excuse me, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. And the melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord. With all you have done for me, I sing for joy because of what you have done. O Lord, what greats, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are planted, for they are transplanted in Excuse me, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Verses 1 through 15, all of Psalm 92. Thank you, Father, once again for the word, the wonderful gift your word is to us. Thank you for the privilege, the honor, the blessing that is ours as we have the opportunity every day of our lives to come to you in prayer early in the morning to begin the day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who's our guide, our counselor, our comforter, our divine tutor, and so many other things. Thank you for the many ways that he ministers in us, through us, to us, and works through us to accomplish your will. Thank you for the privilege of being co-laborers in your vineyard. Thank you for the privilege of being members of your family, the family of God. Lord, thank you for your hand of grace upon us. Fill us anew with your spirit, your joy, and your peace. Thank you for every believer listening. Father, anoint the minds, ears, heart, and understanding of every individual listening so that it will be abundantly receptive to your word and your will and your spirit. Do a great work in every heart for your glory. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Isaac Jackson is our producer. He's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Pastor Joseph, and thank you for AFR. Father, thank you for our listeners. I ask that you would speak to all of us, that you'd speak through Pastor Joseph, that you'd speak through scriptures today, that you would uh, guide us in growing maturity for those that don't know you, that they'd get to know you. And Father, I ask that you'd build your kingdom here in these moments, that you'd build your kingdom of love, where uh, you have always stepped down to love us first. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. 
And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. The words of Psalm 122 tell us these words. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for the peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Verses 1 through 9, all of Psalm 122. Father, thank you once again for the privilege we have being able to pray for Israel, to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for your people all over the world. Father, flood Israel with a greater portion of your peace, grace, light, and joy. Send forth many more laborers into the nation of Israel in the name of Jesus. We surround the nation of Israel with faith and love. We surround them with the blood of Jesus, Lord. Keep them safe from danger, evil, and harm, Lord. And flood the Middle East with your light, with your spirit, your joy, and your grace. And send forth many more laborers into all of the Middle East in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for every nation of the world. Send forth many more laborers into every nation of the world. And more and more... Help us to pray for your people, the children of Israel all over the world. Flood them with grace, peace, mercy, and light in much greater measure according to your perfect will. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. And once again, as we pretty regularly do, we're encouraging you. If you're not praying Psalm 91 every day, today is a great day to start praying it every single day. Because remember, in this dangerous, crazy world... No one can protect you like the Lord can. Father, thank you, Lord, for all those we've lifted up in prayer today. Aaron, thank you for all of these, our listeners. Lord, today we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and so we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Today we say of the Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress. Our God in you do we trust. Surely you deliver us from the fowler snare and from the noisome pestilence. You cover us with your feathers and under your wings do we trust. Your truth is our shield and buckler. And so we are not afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked because we have made the Lord our refuge. Even the most high habitation, no evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. For you give your angels charge over us to keep us all our ways. They bear us up in their hands, lest we dash a foot against the stone. We tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent we trample underfoot because we have set our love upon you. Therefore you deliver us. You set us on high because we have known your name. We call upon you and you answer us. You are with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. With long life you satisfy us and show us your salvation. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, an article that we've shared before, but we're going to share once again, an article but also a prayer tool. Is, is an, it's entitled, Praying Daily for Your Spouse. And it does have a prayer designed for a husband to pray daily for his wife. And it also has a prayer that's designed specifically for a wife to pray for her husband. 
And uh, we're going to pray, of course, the first prayer. But remember, of course, the second one is just the other side, the other bookend of the prayer. The title of the article again, Praying Daily for Your Spouse. Husbands, the following prayer is a very fruitful prayer to pray for your wife every day. And once again, to all of our listeners, keep in mind, uh, we're glad to send you a copy. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get a copy, email a copy to you, to forward it to you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the gift my wife is to me, to our family, to the church, and the kingdom of God. Lord, bless my wife today. Indeed, expand her territory. Cause your hand to be mightily upon her. Keep her from evil that she may not cause pain. In Jesus' name, help her this day to be the full blessing. Help me this day to be the full blessing to her that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, fill her day today with joy, peace, grace, and encouragement in the name of Jesus. Help her to walk in your love, joy, and peace. Help her to spend the time in your word and in prayer that you wanted to spend today in Jesus' name. Help her this day to put you first in her her life. Help her to not make any graven images. Help her to not take your name in vain. Help her to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Help her to honor her father and her mother. Help her to value life. Help her to not steal. Help her to not commit adultery. Help her to tell the truth. Help her to not covet. In Jesus' name we do pray. And Lord, empower her this day to fulfill all the call of God upon her life in the name of Jesus. Help her to live today as the living sacrifice you would have her to be for you and your will in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer and thank you for the gift my wife is to me in Jesus' name. And dear Lord, bless her and keep her. Make your face shine upon her and be gracious to her. Dear Lord, lift up the countenance, lift up your countenance upon her and give her peace. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And of course, as I mentioned, the uh, there's also following this prayer that husbands pray for their wives. Following is the next one, the prayer the wife can pray for her husband, which is very, very similar to the one we just prayed. If you want to get a copy of the article, simply email us. Again, the title of the article, Praying Daily for Your Spouse. Again, Praying Daily for Your Spouse. And then finally, then uh, one additional article that we'll share. Um, we may or may not be able to finish it, but we're going to get we're going to get started anyway. The title of this article is "Children Who Read the Word of God," and of course, it's a, a children discipleship resource tool and item as well. Again, the title: "Children Who Read the Word of God." Psalm one nineteen verse one hundred five: Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Then First Timothy chapter four verse thirteen: Until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Again, 1 Timothy 4.13, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And then Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9. Many parents have never encouraged their children to set this goal and done this with them. Many parents have never helped their children to read the Word of God out loud to them every day. They just hadn't made it a priority. Christian parents often take their children to church, to Sunday school, and that's a great thing. But sadly, many uh, many have not made it a pr- the priority that they could and would be wise to do so in having their children to read the Word of God out loud to them at home every single day. Allow me to make a case for why it would be very wise to change this reality. Consider this important question and the answers to it. What happens when a child reads the Word of God? What takes place in the life of a young person who is faithfully taking time to read God's Word every day? Number one, that child is spending time with Jesus. He or she is spending time interacting with Jesus as they take time to read his word. The child is spending time listening to the wisdom, the grace, the power, and the insight of the creator of the whole universe. See John 1.1, John 6.63, and Romans 12.1 and 2. What more productive activity could your child possibly be doing? Number two, that young person is receiving the most powerful, life-changing, and uplifting insight in all of the universe. The transforming power of the Word of God is helping, is working on the mind and heart of this young person. The Word of God is impacting this youth in many very fruitful ways. See Romans 12, 1 and 2 and Proverbs 1 and 2. And number three, this youth is spending time in the presence of Christ and God. And when any person spends time in the presence of God, he or she will not be the same on the other side of that time. See John 1, 1. Researchers at the Center for Bible Engagement found some interesting insights about the importance of and placing of reading Scripture in the life of a believer. Again, the title of that article is Children Who Read the Word of God. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back. Planet Shakers with Only Way, a reminder that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation and the only way to eternal life. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Uh, Continuing uh, with an article that we had started to share. The title of the article is Children Who Read the Word of God, and we pick up close to where we left off there. Researchers at the Center for Bible Engagement found some interesting insights about the importance of and place of reading Scripture in the life of any believer. According to their research, 
the life of someone who engages and spends time in Scripture four or more times a week looks radically different from the life of someone who does not. They discover that the lives of believers who do not engage the Bible most days of the week, three days or less, are statistically the same as the lives of unbelievers. Spending time reading and meditating on Scripture daily is much more important than so many believers really grasp. So parents, if you begin the day, excuse me, if you begin the family habit of having your child read the Word of God out loud to you every day, great things can begin to happen in your child's heart. Why is it important for your child to read out loud to you, the parent? Because you know for sure that he or she has spent time in the Word of God on that given day. Sometimes a parent may tell their child, go go read your Bible. Maybe the child will. Maybe he or she does not. Our children are human beings, and as much as we like to think our children do exactly what we tell them, that just is not always the case. When you make time each day to have them read the Word of God out loud to you, you can know this for a fact. You know that they have spent time reading the Word of God on that day. Children and youth today are filling their minds with something. Sadly, too often, it's been darkness, toxic information, and wicked worldly thinking and perspectives. Too many youths have filled their minds with pornography, online garbage, demonic insights from dark movies and TV shows, horror movies, etc. And too many youths spend hours playing dark video games and doing things online that are very negative spiritually, mentally, and otherwise. The blessed Word of God is pure light. There's absolutely nothing better for our children spiritually, mentally, and emotionally than the Word of God. We're told in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Word of God heals all the ills of life. It's pregnant with the ability to bless us. The transforming power of God's Word is undeniable. It is, it's powerful and it's very mighty in every way for good. Beginning the habit of having your child read God's Word out loud to you every day is very fruitful. It's a great way to help focus the power of God's Word onto and into the lives of our children. Today is a great day to start this family discipleship goal with your children. It will help produce eternal fruit. Again, the title of this article, Children Who Read the Word of God. If you want to get a copy, simply email us, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We pick up now reading through the Word of God in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nations of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telaim. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, Move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. 
for you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything. In fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best excuse me then my troops brought in the best of the sheep goats cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal but Samuel replied what is more pleasing to the Lord your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice listen obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now, please forgive my sin and Please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back 
and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring King Agag to me. Agag arrived full of hope, full of hope, for he thought, Surely the worst is over, and I have been spared. But Samuel said, Your sword has killed the sons of many mothers. Now your mother will be now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel never went to meet. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him. And the Lord was sorry that he ever made Saul king of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel looked Excuse me. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, 
but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among the among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with excuse me, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, "Please let David remain, remain in my service." For I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. All of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Thank you, Father, again for the wisdom, the grace, and the power, the encouragement that rests mightily upon your word. Thank you for the many truths and insights we learn as we simply read and meditate on your word. Father, more and more, help us as your people to be faithful, to make it a high priority, to open your word every day and spend time with you in prayer as well as in reading and meditation, listening with you, spending time in your presence, learning, being molded and shaped by you, being taught by your wisdom, your counsel, your grace. Help us to recognize, Lord, that the greatest wisdom in the universe flows from you and your word. Help us to never neglect it. And help us as parents to be faithful, to have our children to read out loud to us and to encourage them in the reading and studying of Scripture as well. And anoint us all afresh with the spirit of prayer, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God. We'll be back. Carpenter, but you 
are the living words they Come on. Come on, Houston, you can say it one time with us. Send down from glory. Many things. Come on, somebody say it. Many things you are Awesome ruler. Awesome Gentile redeemer. Music of Fred Hammond with You Are the Living Word. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the holy spirit to fill our hearts with his love when we were utterly helpless Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not, dis- even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our, our Lord. Romans chapter 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with him by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and we will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. 
Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustrations of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do these things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 7 Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who has raised, excuse me, and now, you are, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captives to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no long, excuse me, if there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time I lived without understanding the law. 
excuse me, at one time I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see our terrible so we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses good it uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Verses 1 through 13, Romans chapter 7. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God and as we normally do before we end the broadcast. If you are listening today and you have never from your heart fully committed your heart your heart and your life to the Lord, today is a good day to get saved, to commit your life to Christ. If you'd like to make the eternally important decision of inviting Christ to come into your heart today, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer right now with me as you pray, repeat it. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You lived your whole life. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. By faith, Lord, I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, right now, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you, to be in touch with you, at least by way of email. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and grow deep in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you're a listener that simply wants the discipleship materials, we're glad to share them with you as well. Again, the email joseph at afr.net. If you're wanting to get copies of either of the articles that we shared, the, the article number one was entitled Praying Daily for Your Spouse. And the second article is entitled Children Who Read the Word of God. Same email. Email us. We'll be glad to send one or both to you if you'd like. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.